Today we're going to be talking about missions again. And this is, this is the last time we, we, we talked about it last Sunday. We'll talk about it this Sunday. I say it's the last time. I mean, we're going to, we talk about missions all the time. But this is the last Sunday that is totally dedicated to missions. And next week uh, will be our last sermon before we get into First John. And the, the, uh, back at the beginning of this, or I guess in the, uh, early June, some, in that time frame, we talked about how there are five functions of the church. We have made it to missions, and it, it just so happens that we're also here at, at the week that we're starting praying for Dixie Jackson. Uh, right now, as we talk about Dixie Jackson, there are many ministries that are taking place as we speak this week, uh, the, in the past few weeks. Uh, there are um, block parties that have been ha- happening throughout Arkansas. I know of one, a friend of mine was a part of one in um, the West Helena area, and where over 200 people showed up to help lead the block party. And so it, it was an incredible amount of people that came to know Jesus through that, that and that was just one event. I've been a part of myself, I've been a part of many block parties um, where uh, they do things for the kids, they have face painting, they have bounce houses and stuff like that, uh, but then they also are sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. I've, uh, I used to be an employee of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, and I was specifically a, a campus minister. And so uh, not only did Dixie Jackson offering help me as I went around the state to different churches to preach the gospel, whether it was uh, because a, a pastor was sick one morning or a pastor had passed away. I know that I it, there was one church, it, uh, First Baptist Church in Gillette, where they didn't have a pastor, so I went and I preached for them. And then I worked with them as they were getting ready to call a pastor. And then when that pastor came, I was the representative who welcomed that pastor to the state. And then that pastor got sick. And I would call and talk to the pastor and check in on him. And he had cancer, and he uh, eventually he passed away uh, from that. And I got to be there with the church as they were mourning the loss of their pastor as you can understand how difficult that must have been. And then uh, I was there with them during the time between the next pastor. And so those are the type of things that happen when you give toward Dixie Jackson. It, it, ministry takes place right here inside of Arkansas. And uh, some of the ministries you've heard about, maybe some of you have been involved in, uh, coming up soon we're going to be doing Acts 1-8, the mission trip that's coming up, the one-day mission trip that's coming up in October. And... Uh, when we do that, a lot of the things that you will see taking place there, when you wonder how they were funded, it was through Dixie Jackson. And so I want to encourage you um, to give to Dixie Jackson. We set a goal of $1,200, and I'm sure Ms. Nan will talk more about that next week if, she, if she's able to be here. Um, but we set a goal of $1,200 as a church. Uh, but you just give what God puts it on your heart to give. You pray about it, and you come to a, a, a dollar amount that you're comfortable with, and if God leads you to give, then give. And that we're not going to, you know, ask each family to give a certain amount or anything like that. It's just you give as God lays it on your heart to give. Um, right now, in Florida, there are people experiencing disaster. And we've seen what has taken place in Texas. And we've seen the fallout from that. And there's much more to come. I mean, this is going to be years of recovery that are taking place. 
And if, if you want to give immediately uh, to disaster relief that's taking place, you can go ahead and, and go to uh, absc.org backslash donate uh, or talk to me or Kimberly and we'll, we'll help you find that. But that will help with things that are going on right now immediately. If you would prefer to give through an, another organization, um, then I encourage you to do that as long as you know it's a reputable organization and realize that there are some organizations like even Dixie Jackson. If you give toward Dixie Jackson, then that money is going to help go to future disaster relief needs. It might not go to what's going on today, but if you go to absc.org donate, then that will go to what's happening right now immediately. If you give to the Red Cross, then let's say you give goods. Well, they have to process those goods. Before they give them out, they have to process them. And so you just need to understand that if, if you're wanting to help with a, a need that is happening immediately, then you need to find someone who knows someone who knows that the goods are going to be distributed as they are needed. Because if you're giving towards something that you feel like there's a need right now, so let me help meet that need, you need to make sure that it's going to meet a need that is current, if that makes sense. And it's not going to be stacked up in a warehouse somewhere and not be able to be used for this disaster. But we need to plan ahead also. And so that's why you give to the, to the Red Cross. You give to Dixie Jackson for us as Arkansas Baptists. Um, you, you give to disaster relief or global relief. Um, we give to these things in advance so that when the need arrives, we're already prepared for it in advance. And that's why I've seen, I've been a part of it, where a tornado hits and emergency personnel can't even get in right away because there are trees blocking their paths or whatever the case might be. So trees have to be cut. And I've seen emergency personnel working and working and working and, and firefighters and, and policemen just trying to get to the people that they're trying to rescue. And so disaster relief, we have teams all across the state we have chainsaw teams where all they do is take their chainsaws in there and cut up trees so that, that the people who need to get to where they need to go can get there or people who need to get out can get out. And so uh, those are just some of the things that are, are taking place in our state and through Dixie Jackson, and, and, and I just encourage you to pray about how you can give to that. Um, we've, we've already prayed for what's going on in Florida and Texas, but... We're sitting here talking about how to help, and I, would, I, I wouldn't feel right about not praying again right now for the people who are recovering from the flood in Texas, who are battling, you know, how, where, where are they going to get food to eat because they lost everything in their fridge and their freezer. You know, they're battling, worried about, is this mold going to overtake my house? Um, and then there are people in Florida right now who are wondering, am I going to live through this storm? And so... We know that south of Florida, in different countries, those Caribbean islands, that there are dozens of people who lost their lives already. And so let's stop for a moment and, and, and pray for these people um, that are being affected by these storms. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And uh, God, we, we live in a world where pain and hurt and suffering is way too familiar to us. And you know all about it, too, because you sent your son to experience the pain and the suffering. You, you sent your son here. He, he willingly came to die for us and to experience the pain and suffering and death that we experience. And so, God, I just pray right now for people in Texas, for people in Florida, for people in other countries, Lord, who are experiencing 
just the chaos uh, that is involved when storms form and, and, and hit in, in certain areas and with such strength, Lord. And so, God, I pray for all of the pain that is being felt. Lord, I pray that, that people would, would come to know you more through this disaster. I know that, that disaster, it's not something that brings you pleasure. Pain is not something that brings you pleasure, uh, Lord, but I pray that you would use this pain and use this disaster for good. Lord, if people don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you and they would see you in, in the pain and in the hurt, that they would look around and they would see the good all around them, even in, the time, in a time of disaster. Lord, I pray that you would um, spare people that are in the path of this hurricane that is still taking place right now. Lord, I pray that you would uh, weaken the storm and that you would uh, just take care of the people that are being affected right now. We pray for peace. We pray for um, provision, financial provision and, and food and sustenance and things like that. We just pray that you would help those who are in need. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so that that is... Those are the type of things that we're talking about. Last week, when we looked at Scripture and we looked at um, missions and we looked at how this was God's plan, and we've been looking at these things. We looked at how God desired, in the past, we looked at how God desires for every single follower of His, every single Israelite in the Old Testament, every single Christian in the New Testament. He has called us to be a part of His kingdom of priests, that we are a royal priesthood, according to 1 Peter chapter 2. And so... It is God's desire that all of us be involved in his work, that all of us be involved in what he is trying to do in his mission here on earth. His mission for him to be glorified and worshipped and for him to accomplish that by bringing men to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. He desires for all of us to be a part of that. And we're all called to be a part of the kingdom of priests. That happens right here to, to have a focus on his mission and, and to exercise the gifts that he has given us so that we can accomplish his mission right here in Mansfield. But for some of us, he's going to call us to go even further than Mansfield. And so we're going to, we're going to look at some of that again today. And if, if you have your Bibles, which I don't, so I'm going to have to walk down here to get it, then uh, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And I want to give you a little context because we're going to be starting right in the middle of this chapter. In Romans chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10, Paul is talking about his love for the Israelites, his, his fellow Jewish people. Because Paul was Jewish, Jesus was Jewish. Um, he is talking about his love for them, God's love for them, and how he desires for all of them to know God. But he's also realistic about the fact that Many, many, many Israelites have rejected God and chosen not to follow him. And they did that in the Old Testament, and they were doing that now with Jesus. And so he, he brings up the point that God didn't, God's plan was never just to have a relationship with the Israelites. His plan, as we've talked about, was to use the Israelites to make his name known among the nations. And remember, we... we we looked at Psalm 67. We looked at Psalm 96 last week about how God desires for the nations to know him, the nations to praise him. 
And we looked at Revelation chapter 5 last week, and we saw how in the end, when, when we get to heaven, there will be people there with, from all nations, from all tribes, from all tongues, from all peoples, that there will be a multitude of different races and, and backgrounds and countries there in heaven. So we saw all that last week, but here we see that God desired to use the Israelites, and, and there was always a faithful remnant. If you read the Old Testament, you will always see that there was at least a family that was faithful. And many times it was more than a family. It was a small remnant compared to the entire country. But there were always people who were faithful to God and his mission and his desire, his call. They were faithful to him. And so now we get to Romans chapter 10. And Paul is is transitioning and saying not only did he want the Israelites, but he also wants all people. And and look what he says in verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? So, let's break this down. If you confess with your mouth, and notice that word because, he's been talking about how what's in your heart is going to come out. And if you really do um, love God, love Jesus, that the word is near you. It's, it's in your, it's on the tip of your tongue. You're ready to say Jesus, you're ready to say, I have faith. You're ready to talk about the love that you have for God. And we've talked about that in the recent past, that it's almost like an overflow. You know, I I love my family so much that I can't help but talk about them. When when someone asks me how my day is going or how my week's gone, uh, inevitably it's going to turn toward something about Rose, Emma, or John Michael, right? Because I love them and I can't help it. In the same way, That's how we should love God. And if we love God, then it's going to be proven by our tongue. It's going to be proven by our actions. And and so, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you need to understand that this is going to more than just saying, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. Okay? I believe Jesus is God. James tells us that even the demons believe and shudder. So this is more than just saying, Jesus is God, so I'm saved. It It doesn't work like that. You have to believe in your heart, and it's more than just believing that he is God. You have to believe in a way that you have faith in him, and you have a relationship with him. He has saved you. You believe that he has saved you. You believe you have a relationship with him. You believe in him. You're his. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, not or, and believe in your heart, and not just believe in God, but believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So why does it say that? Believe that God raised him from the dead. Well, the reason it says this is because in order for us to be saved, there had to be a shedding of blood. There had to be a remission of sins. There had to, someone had to pay for the sins that we have committed. And it's either us or some other payment. And the only payment worthy was a pure, holy payment, which was Jesus, his life. He never sinned. And so He died for us. So not only do we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, but we have to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And then we will be saved. And so I want to make sure that we're clear on this. And I don't have a lot of time to spend on each verse because um, with this focus on missions and us talking about Dixie Jackson and us talking about the, the opportunity for the Christmas boxes and things like that, that's part of the worship service today. And we, we need to focus on those things. We don't need to just breeze past them. Um, but that's part of the worship service. So the sermon is going to be a little shorter this morning. So um, with that, 
I just want to say that for all of us in here, before we even start talking about what we're going to be doing for God, we need to make sure that we have a relationship with God. And so if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, then yes, we're saved. But what does that mean? Well, if we say, yeah, I believe in God, but then there's no evidence of that with the way we live our life, with the words that come out of our mouth, if there's no evidence that backs up the fact that we, what we say, then what we say might not be true. And so we have to make sure that we're right with God. We have to make sure that we do love him, that we do have a relationship with him, that we have placed our faith in him, that he has saved us. Because can, can saying a prayer, like walking an aisle during an invitation and saying a prayer in faith, can that save you? Yeah, if, if you say it in faith and you believe it and you're giving your life to Christ, then absolutely that can save you. But can you walk an aisle and say a prayer and believe that Jesus is God, but not give him your life, not put your faith in him and not get saved? Yeah, you cannot get saved by walking an aisle and saying a prayer. And so there's not a formula of uh, go to a Baptist church, stand up during an invitation, walk the aisle, say a prayer. That does not equal salvation if faith is not involved. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have to believe that he, that you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that believing in your heart is really important. Uh, because it's more than just a head belief of, yes, I believe that Jesus is God. It's believing with, your, with who you are, with your soul, with your heart, that Jesus is God. Um, okay, verse 11, or sorry, verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one, is con- one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So for those of you who believe in Jesus and have experienced suffering, experienced pain. By the way, that should be everyone in here who believes in Jesus should have already experienced suffering and and pain. Because that's just part of life for all of us. Then you need to know that there will be a time when everything is going to be made right. Like Kenny was talking about this morning when he was talking during the songs. That there will be a time when there won't be any more pain. There won't be any more suffering. That we will not be put to shame. On that day when we stand before God and it comes time for us to know whether we're going to get to spend an eternity with him or in heaven or an eternity separated from him um, in hell. Then we know if we truly have faith, if we truly believe in him, then we will not be put to shame. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, who is saved when they respond to God in faith? Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And now, we can't take verse 13 out of the context of the relationship the obedience that the Israelites lacked, um, not all of them, but all but the remnant lacked, and that we that I mentioned that was in earlier in Romans. Um, we can't take this out of the context. We need to know that it's not just like Jesus saved me, and anybody who says that is saved. 
You have to have faith. You have to be calling on Him in faith. You have to believe. And when you call on Him in faith, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And so, uh, but what we need to know is that anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what race you are. None of that matters. All that matters is that God created you. He created all of us. And he has given an opportunity through Jesus for all of us to know him and have a relationship with him. Okay? So we have to have that right before we can go any further. Okay? So for those of us who do know him, what's next? Because a lot of people get saved and then they think, okay, well, now I'll just show up at church on some Sundays um, and we'll just, I'll be a good person. But there's more to it than that. Because as we discussed last week, God has a mission. He has a plan. And he has called us to be a part of that plan, a part of that mission. Look at verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So if it takes faith, if it takes calling out in faith, in order to be saved, how can they call on Jesus? How can they call on him if they have not believed? Right? You have to have faith in order to call or to call in the right way. And how are they to believe in him of whom, of whom they have never heard? Okay? So not only do they need to call... But in order to call, they need to believe. But in order to believe, they need to hear about him in the first place. And how are they to hear in, on him? Let me just read that. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And then let's continue. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And let's look at the next verse. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Okay, So they can't call if they haven't believed. They can't believe if they haven't heard. And they can't hear without someone preaching. And what you need to know, and how are they to preach unless they are sent, what you need to know here is that there, there's two different words, Greek words, that are used for preaching and preach. And one of them um, is caruso, and it is preaching. You know, like saying, telling people about the good news. And the other one is just a proclamation. And so you're just telling people, Jesus is Lord. And so this isn't just someone standing behind a pulpit. This is any time you have the opportunity to go out and preach or tell people, proclaim the good news. And so this is for all of us, not just preachers. We have the opportunity to go and tell people about Jesus, about his love. And by the way, I'm sending you out at the end of this service. If you, if you need to be sent... You're going to be sent. Some of you will be sent back to Mansfield or Witcherville or Abbott or Hartford or wherever you dwell. But some of you might be sent to other places. Some of you need, on September 13th of this week, you need to go be trained in disaster relief so that you can not just give toward disaster relief, but that you can go work doing disaster relief. And so this Wednesday, I believe that's September 13th, Wednesday, um, then you can go to Little Rock and be trained in emergency response for feeding units. So you can go feed people. You know, that in one day, 
um, after Harvey hit Texas, in one day, uh, disaster relief, not just Arkansas, but uh, all these Southern Baptist disaster relief units from across the country fed 350,000 meals in one day. You can be a part of that. The training is this week. Or in October, there's a general disaster relief training where if you want to run a chainsaw or do whatever, then you can do that. Some of you will be sent to do that, to work here in Arkansas and when there's disasters going out from there. Some of you have already uh, committed to going on the Acts 1-8 mission trip, the one-day mission trip. And so I applaud you for that, and I'm, I'm grateful, I'm thankful. Some of you have returned from a summer of doing mission trips children's camps and other things um we have members of this church in the past who have gone to the nations who have gone to africa who have gone to thailand who have gone and preached the gospel the good news to the ends of the earth and some of you in this room right now might end up there i hope you do i've known people in their 70s who have gone to do foreign missions i've i've known people I've known a lot of people in their 40s and 50s who have gone to do foreign missions. And I know even more who in their early to mid-20s went to do foreign missions. And so for those of you who are already older, you just need to pray and ask God, is this what you want? And if God says yes, then you need to go. We need to prepare you. We need to send you. But it's time. We We need to go. And then for those of you who are younger... You know, Sean, Jacob, y'all are sitting right here in front of me. You know, you can go get a regular degree in whatever field you want to go in. Like, whatever you want to be as when, when you grow up. And Jacob, you're almost there. Uh, don't cry, Elizabeth. Um, and you can go get a degree in whatever field you want. And if God has called you to take his name to a certain spot anywhere in the world, you can y- go use that degree. I had students at UAM. Um, one of my students was a forestry major, and he, he actually became a spatial information system, so he basically makes maps on computers. And I'm not going to say his name in case he goes into a place um, where it's not safe for people to know that he's a Christian. But uh, he went to Cambodia and helped build aquaponics systems, which uh, it was basically they raised fish in a pond, they filtered that water, they watered their crops with it, and then it went back into the pond. And, um, and he taught farmers how to do that. And those farmers who were followers of Jesus then would go and teach other people how to do that and tell them about Jesus so that people could come to know Jesus. Um, there, we've had students who went on a floating village um, where they were in the middle of this giant lake and there were kids on the floating village, which is just boat tied to boat, dock tied to dock, where they had not stepped foot on dry land before the age of 12. And I've had students who went to Iraq. I've known senior adults who have gone to Guatemala. I've known people who have given their lives to this. And, and the student that I was talking about earlier who went to Cambodia, um, while he was there, he realized that the mission mission agency that he was there with that was partners with the International Mission Board um, that they needed people to go into countries where the gospel had not been taken and where it, it, it's not really safe in some of those countries for Christians to go. They needed people to go in there discreetly 
meet people, figure out if there's any Christians, and then make a map of the places where they went. And so future missionaries could go back there and tell people about Jesus. And he, he got his degree in spatial information systems so he could do exactly that, where he could make maps for people who were doing that. Uh, so you can use whatever training you have. If, you're, if all you know to, how to do is to raise cattle, guess what? There's a bunch of cattle outside the United States. If all you know how to do is sweep and mop floors, there are other countries that need people doing that. Okay? And so for too long, we've thought that you have to be like a professional preacher or professional Christian to go do these things. But IMB has changed their strategy. They see now that the, the, the way to get the gospel to the most people is for individuals to be trained and use the training that they already have to go and do in other countries what they could already do here in America and, and go and take the gospel across the world. Just go be a Christian in some other place where you're telling people that you run into about Jesus, where you are proclaiming the good news, where you are preaching how, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? We as a church need to be praying about who God might send from our congregation across the world. He's already sent people from the past from this church to different countries. We need to be praying now. Who is in this room right now that m- maybe you just need to be more faithful here in Mansfield? Or maybe you need to go to another city? Whether that uh, I have friends, actually, um, the uh, missions pastor at... Grand Avenue Baptist Church is right now, he, this, today, he's worshiping in Columbus, Ohio, where they've planted a church. Um, I have a friend who, one of my closest friends, who's in New York City, helping with a church plant there and starting collegiate ministries there. And so, who in this room today, who is going to be going to another village or a, a, across the world or a town across the world or a city across the world or, or across our country? Who's going to go? We have to be praying as a church about that. And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, we're going to just very quickly, if you will, turn with me to Acts. And I'm not going to dwell here. I'm just going to read this, and then we're going to go back and finish. Acts 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So here were these leaders, here were these men that were praying. And while they were doing this, listen to this verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, I do believe that God comes to individuals and speaks to our hearts. And I'm not saying he comes and says, Philip. I want you to be a preacher. I'm not sure. But he, God's voice might sound like James Earl Jones. I'm not sure. But um, I, I do know that he, he came to me and convicted me. The Holy Spirit that dwells in me convicted me. You are called to be a, a pastor, a preacher. And you need to go preach the gospel. And you need to go lead people and shepherd people. God, I, I believe that with all my heart, that that wasn't just something that I made up, that that was a a conviction from the Holy Spirit. And in the same way, God might convict you guys, one of you or two of you or more, that you need to be a missionary 
that you need to serve him somewhere in the world. But I also believe that God comes to churches. Churches who are worshiping together and praying and fasting together. And he comes to them and he says, you've got someone in your midst that needs to be sent out. And now in this case, it was by name. There's, there we have um, two, two men by name who need to be sent out. But we need to be praying as a church that God would send missionaries out from our midst. That not only would we as individuals go out into our community and live missional lives where we're telling people about Jesus, where we're preaching the good news all the time in our workplaces, in our schools, in in our families, around our dinner tables, when we're at Sonic, wherever you eat, we need to be telling people about Jesus. But we also need to be praying, God, send us to the nations. Send us to places in our own country that need churches, that need Jesus. Send us to places around the world that need missionaries, that need people who can go and and build aquaponic systems or work with cattle or do whatever. God, send us to the nations. And maybe those will be temporary short-term trips, or maybe that will be where you and your family move there and you serve him on site, like Terry and Nan did, like the Reeves did. And so we have to be praying that God will do that. And so going back to, to Romans 10, let's finish this. And, and I'm, just, I'm not going to finish the whole chapter. I'm just going to read a few more verses. Verse 15, remember it said that, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so how are they to preach unless they are sent? If you feel like you might need to be a missionary, tell somebody. So that we can pray for you. So that we can help you in this discerning. And, and so that if you are called, we can send you. Verse 16. But they have not obe- all obeyed the gospel. Right? If we, we can go tell people about Jesus all day long. Does that mean that everybody's going to respond? No. Listen to what was said. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? It's not our job to go convince people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convince people. It's our job to go preach. And whoever God convicts, whoever God saves, he saves. That's, we don't save people. We just go preach. We just go tell people. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing. That's our job, to tell so that they can hear. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we'll stop there. When's the last time you told someone about the love of Jesus? Not someone who's already saved. We're talking about people who need to call on the name of the Lord. And how are they to call if they have not heard? Okay, so it's our job to go tell them so they can hear. So when's the last time you told someone who is not a Christian about the love of Jesus? For some of you in here, it might have been this week. In the last month. We've seen people getting saved in our church and in our community lately. And so I know that some of you are telling people about Jesus. For others of you, maybe it's been a year or five years or ten years. And for those of you who are already doing it, that is amazing. You keep doing it. You keep being the example that you need to be. You keep loving Jesus enough that, that the overflow, you have to tell people about him. And for those of you who aren't telling him, I'm not saying go beat yourself up about it. I'm just saying, ask yourself, ask God, how can I love you more? How can I love you so much that I can't keep it in? That my love for you outweighs the fear I have of telling people about you, of talking publicly about you? 
or, or it doesn't even have to be public. It can be in relationships that you're building and privately you're talking to people about Jesus. But we have to have his name on our lips. Because if we're not telling people, if we're not preaching, then they're not hearing. So, for our invitation, the invitation is this. You've been hearing a lot about missions, local missions, foreign missions. And maybe God has convicted you in something. And you just need to share. I don't know what this means, but here's what God is doing in my heart. Maybe you need to share that with someone. I'll be right down here for the invitation. Or maybe you know missionaries. Maybe you know people who are on the field right now. Missionaries in other cities or other countries. And and, and you need to be praying for them this morning. Or maybe you just need to spend this time to pray about, Lord, how much should, should our family give toward Dixie Jackson? To the ministry that's going on right here in Arkansas or by Arkansans. Lord, how, how do we... How much should we give to that? I don't know how God has convicted you um, or how he's spoken to you through his word. And my preaching or the things I said about these different missions, maybe that wasn't convicting at all. That's fine, but his word should be convicting. And so what is his word speaking to you this morning? Let's pray and we'll have our invitation. Lord, we love you. And God, I'm glad that you are a God who has called me to serve alongside of you that you are a God who desires for all of us to be involved in your mission. No matter where you send us, no matter who you send us to or to whom you send us, Lord, you love us and you love the world and you want us to spread your name among the nations. Help us to start right here. Lord, if there are people who need to be more bold in their workplaces or in their families or in their homes or in the community or wherever, Lord, I just pray that you would convict them of that right now. Convict us of that right now. Lord, if there are people who need to to go to another city in our country or a rural place, Lord, to to serve you and to preach your, your name, Lord, send them. Lord, if there are people in here who need to go to the nations... Lord, who need to to pick up what they have and and move to another country in order to serve you there, then, Lord, help us to be a church that is kingdom-minded who, yes, we would miss them, but we would be excited. We would be partnering with them from where we are and sending them to where you want them. Lord, I just pray that you would would, would convict hearts in whatever way is appropriate right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.